whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you're producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. The big turning point for me was sophomore year. I found out that I was gluten intolerant while I was living on campus. And I've always been very interested in health and wellness and passionate about food. And I love to cook. And so I think it was just a culmination of all these different things. And then finding out that I was gluten intolerant while also taking all these business courses just was like the right place at the right time. And ultimately launched a food blog called Slender 7, where I started sharing my healthy gluten-free recipes that used seven ingredients or less. So that was really the foundation for PS Snacks. And so here we had this dilemma, this this fact, this fact. fact. I've spent almost a decade decade, researching this subject. Every aspect of your metabolic health improves. From the Hint offices in San Francisco, I'm Kara Golden, founder and CEO of Hint. You may have tried Hint Water before, but this is my podcast. Each week, we talk to some of the most creative entrepreneurs from world-touring pop stars like Jay Sean to the people behind favorite Instagram accounts, including So Yummy, New York City, and even YouTubers like Sarah Dietschy. So the million-dollar question, what does it really take to be unstoppable? Let's find out. Hey, everybody. It's Kara with Unstoppable. And today we're here on Unstoppable with Nikki Azera with PS Snacks. Hi, Nikki. Hello. How are you? Good. Super How are you? excited that you're here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, totally. So Nikki is from Denver, but uh, or actually lives in Denver. Yes. We, I don't know yet. She's from Denver. <laughs> 
And she's here in San Francisco for the fancy food. So we got her fancy food show. So we got her to come over and join us for this morning before she goes back to the show. And uh, thank you so much for doing that. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Totally. So uh, first, I'm just going to jump in and and, um, just ask a little bit about you. So first of all, where did you grow up? And, you know, what did you want to do? As a starting point. Yeah, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. suburbs, so the Montgomery County, Maryland, about 25 miles outside of the city. It's funny, I actually, I was asked that recently, what did I want to do when I grew up? And one of the amazing things about this venture is that I didn't really have the time to think about that because when I graduated from college, I immediately jumped right in. So I guess looking back when I was younger, what did I want to do my life? I you know, I, I think I was really interested in like houses. I remember telling my parents I wanted to be either a real estate agent or architect or something like that. But I soon after realized that I wasn't cut out for the corporate world. And in high school, started coming up with ways to just make money in a more entrepreneurial fashion. So I started summer camps and doing all different types of things where I could actually interact with people in a way that brought me joy each day, but I could also make some money on the side. So fun. So so you talked about college. So yes. you were in college when you thought of this idea. I, did, I was, now. yes. So, so how, how did that all come about? Yeah. So I went to Wake Forest University. Um, I was studying undergrad business, taking electives in marketing and entrepreneurship. You know, I, again, always thought that I had this other kind of business route in mind where I was very passionate about doing something that didn't require me to sit at a desk, just didn't know what it was at the time. The big turning point for me was sophomore year, I found out that I was gluten intolerant while I was living on campus. And I've always been very interested in health and wellness and passionate about food. And I love to cook. And so I think it was just a culmination of all these different things and then finding out that I was gluten intolerant while also taking all these business courses just was like the right place at the right time. And ultimately launched a food blog called Slender 7, where I started sharing my healthy gluten-free recipes that used seven ingredients or less. So that was really the foundation for PS Snacks. And did you feel like, so you're a sophomore, you're just like not feeling great and you figure out that you've got this issue. Was it tough to sort of eat? And live and on campus? I mean, was it something that was like, did you really have to work in order to do that? It definitely. So the the biggest difficulty was that I wasn't feeling great at times when I would eat certain things, but at the time, you know, could, couldn't really figure out what it was. Um, but it was right before I studied abroad in Italy. So that was not wow. the best timing, finding out that, you know, I have to cut out gluten I exactly so that was a bummer but it ended up I think just being a really good like learning way for me to get acclimated not only in a new environment but just navigating gluten-free lifestyle it was honestly just like the nature of the way that I eat and the way that we were raised my sister and I were raised just eat super healthy and I always prefer fish and chicken and vegetables anyways. So it actually wasn't as difficult as I was expecting. And I mean, that was almost seven years ago. And I feel like just feeling so much better and super happy that I ended up. So were you in the dorms at the time or were you? Yeah. So I was living in dorms and then living in this apartment in Florence. Um, We had access to a kitchen. So I was able to pretty, pretty well navigate 
this gluten-free lifestyle. And then moving back on campus, that was a big turning point because we had the dining hall, which was, I mean, it was great. There were options. Again, it was like, okay, I'll have the turkey burger, the chicken, the vegetables, the salad, things like that. But also, you know, with the snacks and there was so much that I couldn't eat on campus and there was a Whole Foods nearby. And so I really started to spend a lot of time in Whole Foods, finding these alternatives that fit my gluten-free lifestyle, but also just things that like weren't too high in sugar or not too processed. And how often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including 
the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell, or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. I think because of that, it really challenged me to learn, start learning about the food industry just through experience, which was huge for this foundation. And that's what I feel like has been the biggest challenge for the gluten-free industry over the last you know few years since, you know, I've been going to the fancy food show. Right. It's, it's just, you know, the trade-off is the sugar. Yes, right? it's just like in the processed and and etc. But it's you know people will say to me, yes, you know, figured out that I was gluten intolerant, and then I started eating all these gluten foods, and I gained all this weight, or I got type two diabetes, right? And that's something. I mean, people will ask me all the time. Either they're trying to eat more of a gluten free lifestyle, or I just think the biggest thing is like just because you're gluten free doesn't mean you should start buying the gluten-free bread because it doesn't mean that it's healthier for you. So for me, it was more a shift in like, okay, I mean, that sandwich looks really good, but I'm going to get a salad instead, or I'm going to see if they have a lettuce wrap, or I'm going to have the chicken instead of pasta. So it was more just like a shift in general where I wasn't now eating gluten-free cookies because it wasn't like I was really eating like handfuls of cookies before. So that was something that was really important just because you're gluten-free, you know, don't change your eating habits. Yeah, exactly. So one of your products is the chickpea-based cookie. Yes. (laughs) You got to have cookies when you're in college, right? Exactly. (laughs) So this... How did you think of that? Yeah. So I had this blog, Slender 7, and what I was trying to do with this was create or recreate, I should say, my favorite things that were not only gluten-free, but just healthier alternatives to those favorites. And it was anything, I mean, I had over 500 recipes and it was anything from smoothies that tasted like milkshakes to main meals to things with cooking with sweet potatoes. Cause I still, I think that's my favorite food of all time. And then I, it, it really started. So I tricked my sister into eating black bean brownies 
And, you know, I was over the holidays. And I remember just like getting a huge kick out of the fact that I made these brownies that actually tasted really good. And it was black bean based. And I had come up with the recipe. That sounds so good. Yeah, it was delicious. And like I'm the youngest or younger sister. There's only two of us. Yeah. But uh, just I got the pleasure and just kind of messing with her by making the black bean based brownies that were also peanut free. She has a peanut allergy. So that sparked my interest in creating a blondie version. So my mom, when we were younger, she was always famous for making these blondies. But of course, they're, you know, so like buttery and sugary and regular white flour and just kind of all the crap that comes in with um, this home batch made blondies, which was always a like the famous thing. But again, I was like, okay, how could I recreate this in a way that's healthier and gluten-free, not just using gluten-free flour. So I ended up playing around with chickpeas and made a recipe for chickpea cookies. And it was... No. So I actually used chickpea puree. So almost like you'd be making a hummus, but instead you're adding ingredients that make it have a sweet flavor profile instead of like olive oil and lemon juice. I'm doing coconut oil, almond butter, um, chocolate chips, vanilla, things like that. So I had this recipe on the blog. Didn't think much of it for, let's call it eight months, except for the fact that it was one of the most popular on social media, all my friends would always ask me to make it. My family. I remember when I graduated that summer, I just was constantly making it for people that were in and out of the door, whether it was at the beach house or my family's house. And that was this aha moment where I, at the time, was looking for jobs in the food industry because I realized that's what I was passionate about. But then through spending so much time at Whole Foods and trying to interview for consumer packaged good brands, I saw that there was an opportunity to launch my own brand. And I wanted to start with this chickpea cookie, which actually the dough form was what I thought was the most compelling sell. So how many years out of school? Were you? <laughs> Two months. Two months yeah. Okay. And so you just decided, okay, I'm interviewing, but I've got this idea for a product. Yes. And then And then what did you do next? Did you just go and create the product? Yeah. So it was, I had always hoped that the summer after graduation, I could just work on the blog and take some time to travel and just really chill, I guess. I mean, I've always been. Chilling would be nice, right? Yeah. Like I definitely, I'm definitely people. Yeah. It's like really hard. Right. so. So at the time I was like, okay, you know, there's, I, I had a lot of friends that had already committed to banking jobs and consulting. And I just, again, knew that I wasn't cut out for that. So rather than rush into a career that I didn't even know if that's what I wanted, I just was trying to take some time and really do some soul searching about what it was that I wanted to do. And that's where I first stumbled upon the food industry, You know, looking at amazing brands, going through Whole Foods and trying to figure out which one of these I could work for, where they were located, what sparked my interest. Um, but ultimately saw that there was this need and opening in the market for the cookie dough. And I think just being naive and super passionate and again, not wanting to do the typical banking and corporate route, I jumped on the opportunity to turn this recipe into a consumer packaged good that I could sell to retail stores. So to create the product, so you needed some kind of funding. Did you self-fund? 
So I actually first launched a crowdfunding campaign. And at the time, the product was going to be branded under Slender 7, which was the blog that I had started. Um, I had envisioned at that time creating like a whole... I guess ecosystem of the blog and the recipes and the products and you know having a I guess kind of a aggressively large vision to really build out this huge lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. So ultimately at the time was had this idea to brand it as Slender Seven. It was seven ingredients or less. We had cookie dough. The uh, logo was a grapefruit. So you know, again, it seemed like a good idea when I first launched, I ended up doing a crowdfunding campaign raised about $10,000. And that helped me join a commissary kitchen in Washington, DC, where I could really get started, lowered the barriers to entry, and I could start producing and attempting to sell. So how did this work? Like for people who want to like start a product? Yeah, so I've heard about these actually in the Bay Area, right? Yeah, they're popping up everywhere. And I worked out of one called Union Kitchen in Washington, D.C. And you basically pay rent to work in their facility. But the incredible thing is that it's a licensed facility. So rather than me having to go out and get certifications and licensing to produce food products, that was already taken care of. Um, So I paid a monthly rent fee and then started working to create this package Again, you know, looking back, I think it was so, I guess I he- I've heard if you're not embarrassed by your first package, like you're, you're yeah. doing something yeah. wrong. Well, you learned so you much. You learned so much. The talk that I was giving the other night, they were looking to develop a product and, you know, they wanted to know like how long it should take and like, you know, they were very rules-based. Like, right. Really. And I just said, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, I would just make sure that it's safe and yeah. get it to market. Right. And, and that's see what the consumer says. Exactly right. what I was doing. I mean, yeah. I feel like I'm the definition of winging it sometimes yeah. because, on one hand, I think the fact that I did start this right after college, you know, sometimes I'm at a disadvantage with the learning curve. But on the other hand, I mean, I don't have a rule book to follow. So I'm just going for it. Smart. So the package was <laughs> very amateur, yeah. but. I started selling in farmers markets in Washington, D.C., and I would team up with my friends that started a food truck and sell off their truck at Georgetown University. And really just I feel like it's kind of the quintessential founder story where I was just hustling in Washington, D.C., trying to make it work and see if the concept was catching on. I learned, I mean, I guess two big takeaways was I learned that this product was not built for like farmers market. It definitely I needed to pursue the retail route. And I also learned that the branding was just wrong for this type of product. So that was a huge pivot point for me. Not only could I not keep up with the blog because of this new business model right. I was I was pursuing, but I also just the grapefruit, what it was, everything was getting lost. And that was the moment where I realized, okay, CPG thing is for me. I'm going to pursue that only. So I stopped doing the blog and then rebranded to PS Snacks. Now, did somebody like help you do this or like it's like you running a kitchen? Is there a co-founder? No, no, there's, I mean, I've, 
I feel like one thing that I'm super proud of is the network that I've been able to build just through these amazing relationships and mentors and people that I have always looked up to, whether it's financially, like financial side of things, but also people in the food industry. So I've never felt, we were talking about this earlier, but I've never felt like I am alone um, working on this venture, but you know, I think at the end of the day, it's like, okay, I'm also really excited to, to build out a team. Uh, cause it does get tough to do this as a one woman show. Yeah. And how many people now in the company? <laughs> tough. Pretty yeah. It's, yeah. um, that's okay. Me. Yeah. I have an incredible community manager that works part-time. She's based out of Philly. Um, she takes so much off my plate with regard to sample requests and customer service and just things that are super important for us as a small business, but that I often just can't get to every day. Yeah. Uh, my mom helps me a ton. That's She's great. been incredible. And then exactly. Oh, I have, I mean, it's <laughs> the support system has really just shined. I mean, it's incredible how many people have been really a part of this journey that yes, I have not paid, but have been so impactful and just like on a personal level, but also helping. I mean, I had friends. One of the best stories is the first UNFI order that I ever got. I had like eight days to fulfill. I think it was like four pallets or a couple thousand pounds, which at the time was a huge deal. And I had 25 friends come in over eight days. And I, you know, I was like, all right, I'll like, I'll give you dinner. (laughs) This will be fun. But can you help me? Because everyone had in passing said, like, if you ever need help, let me know. Like, I'd love to help out. And I'm like, okay, well, this is the time. <laughs> um, so 25 friends coming in to grind chickpeas and package and label and box up. I mean, it was one of those moments where it like, I'll never forget it. But it was also that. I mean, that was a turning point. Where I'm like, okay, I need to find a coat packer. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, no, I remember our first show was actually Fancy Food Show in New York. And uh, it was uh, my husband and I, and we were, and I just had my fourth son. Oh actually. my gosh. And it was like two weeks after I'd had a C-section. Oh. And I'm at the show and I'm still like trying to get into the group. Right. The whole thing anyway. And so I called a bunch of my friends that used to work with me at AOL. And I said, we're doing this trade show. I had never been to the fancy food show. I had been to a bunch of, I had been to like CES. Right. And like a bunch of like tech shows, but I had never been to the fancy food show. So they tell me I'm like, I've got a 10 by 10 booth and I was like, okay, I got this. And like, literally I had a card table and I went to like a party store and got something to like cover the card table. Right. And like, we had a couple of chairs, like folding chairs in the booth and friends of mine in tech were like, they showed up there and they were like, wow, like you're really not ready for this. And I was like, I know it's, it's so crazy. It- and we had a sign that said, you know, pink water. Right. And I mean, I always tell entrepreneurs this story because I said like, you know, that was probably our best show. Like we showed up there and we had just nailed it. No one else was doing unsweetened flavor right. water. Um, still water. There were carbonated versions of the product, but I mean, this was 14 years ago. Right. I mean, it was crazy because it, we, we like literally had so many people that security came to the oh my gosh. and said like, there can't be any more people in this area. And they were like looking at us, like, how are you guys going to do this? I mean, you've never worked in the food and beverage industry. And I mean, you talked about UNFI. I didn't even know what UNFI was. Oh yeah. UNFI was coming by my booth. And right. I'm like, 
Hi. UMFI, yeah. like writing it down on a piece of paper. I was like, okay, I'll get back to you. Like, I remember you? that first order I got. They're like, okay, just make sure you have the BOL. I'm like, what is a BOL? Yeah. <laughs> I had to like look up like yeah, no, totally. bill of like, I, yeah. what? How do you make one of these? Yeah. And so I'm like asking, like, have you ever made one of these? It's just, it's funny. I mean, I truly believe like fake it till you make it. Yeah. And that's kind of been a <laughs> internal motto for me, just because I think that there, you know, there's so much you can learn and do, but you just have to do it. And if you figure it out on the fly, it almost makes it more exciting. No, I mean, so you talk about your, like the highs and the things. Yes. I always look at it as like, you know, it, this whole industry, I think it's a big puzzle. I mean, definitely. You talked about like, you had a lot of, you, you don't feel like you've ever been lonely. Like when I started this, almost 15, starting, you know, almost 14 years ago. Like I actually really searched out for like mentors right. in the industry. And it was really hard. I mean, people were like, I don't know, maybe the snacks industry is maybe a little mm-hmm. more open in the beverage industry. It was like, I remember there were days that, I mean, I would, I would just be really bold and be open to calling, you know, the big soda companies. Definitely. No talk to me. I mean, it was really, it was like, very different than what I had experienced in tech. Right. Everybody was super open to like talking. They wouldn't give you the playbook, but they would tell you like head in that direction. Right. And, you know, if you were smart enough and resourceful enough, then you would go figure it out. But anyway, I thought that that was so interesting. But what, what kept you going when you were like, you know, reaching lows along the way? What was like, how did you overcome those obstacles? Definitely. I mean, one of the things that I learned early on, and part of me thinks I even learned this, you know, at 16 when I was doing internships that I wasn't passionate about. The fact that I had started, I mean, at, you know, all it's all relative, right? Yeah. Like at, at the time it wasn't didn't even feel like a business, but the fact that I was able to start a business based on something that I was so passionate about, waking up every day. I mean, there were there are still highs and lows all the time, but I think over the overarching themes that like I'm so passionate about my product and the people that I interact with and really what I am able to do every day that that really keeps me going that drives me the spontaneity the challenging me to things on my feet the travel the people that I'm able to meet and interact with and I just think that really trumps everything else yeah. like the the lows are brief and painful but if you can see the larger vision and know that, you know, there's so many, there's thousands of people that are buying this and there's thousands more that want it. Like that, that to me is what is the most important thing every day. Are you an athlete? I am. So I, um, what, what was your sport? Basketball was my main sport. Um, played that competitively from like third grade through 12th grade, but I played three varsity sports in high school and, it's always been very near and dear to my heart and I'm still a big runner and work out pretty much yeah. every day. So I always, I always talk about, especially female, female entrepreneurs, if they were in athletics at least through high school, you can just spot it. Oh. And they're so used to like getting pushed down, Thanks. falling down and just getting back up again. Anyway, I've just, I've seen this, I've been really involved with EY. Okay. And I've seen that with like so many, no matter what the industry is, and you can just spot it. Oh, for sure. Along the way. Yeah. I just, I feel like that 
you know, the people who ask you, like, how did you do it? How did you get back up? And, you know, my sport was gymnastics. Okay. So I was just like, I don't know. Like, you just did. Yes. Just like, and you always had people who were better than you on the team. Right. Right. Like, and and you always wanted them around you. Right. They were like better. But, but anyway, I just, no, I, uh, that's one of those things too where, you know, people have asked me like, oh, have you always been entrepreneurial minded? And I don't know. I mean, that's, I think that's a really hard question to answer. I'm only 26. So I'm like, well, I don't, you know, there's so much more to do still. But if you kind of look back and yeah. <laughs> trace through my like upbringing, I mean, no, it's the athletics. The athletics. I, yeah, yes. It really, it really is. It trained you to be an entrepreneur and seek this stuff out. Totally. Get back up. I think like the get back up piece, like something that, right. you know, years of being, you know, pushed down and, and having to set goals right. for yourself and just having to like go to sleep at night. Yep. And I ran cross country, which is a whole different, that's like a mental yeah. game. And then I think another really interesting thing in my upbringing, my dad was a stay at home dad and my mom was the working breadwinner. So I think that also was just an incredible experience to see a female role model that was working so hard every day. And then also having my dad so evolved awesome. um, in sports, obviously, yeah. um, but also just in like our day-to-day life. So super awesome. incredible experience, very special. So the food blog, so the food blog, so you've got, yes. I mean, that started in college and mm-hmm. then you continued to expand on that, create it. What do you think is like, I mean, I get asked this a lot, actually, as we, I mean, we have like 40% of our overall business is direct to consumer now, right. and we have a huge initiative around content, and I'm constantly getting asked, like, where do you think the blog and the content kind of fits in mm-hmm. an overall website? Right. And I mean, I've been asked by entrepreneurs who are just starting, I've been asked by billion dollar brands right. that are trying to figure out, like, as they go into you know, the online world, I mean, where do you feel like this fits into your overall sales strategy? Yeah. So I, unfortunately just, I don't do the blog anymore because as I'm sure you, but the recipes, <laughs> right. Yeah. But the recipes. So one thing that I do continue to do is create recipes that use our cookie dough as an ingredient. And I think that this is so important for consumers to understand. It kind of gives it a little bit more context. Like, yes, you can eat the cookie dough as is. It's intended to be a single serve snack. So you could eat it as a almond butter substitute or a bar substitute, but you can also use it as an ingredient. So whether it's in um, like baked goods or you're using it like as a frosting or you're putting in your smoothies or shakes. There's just a lot that you can educate the consumer about. And that's how I'm using our, I mean, a lot of the website has recipes. I'm using my social media to do that. We have a Friday newsletter. So I think that's where the content, like, yes, it's a brand, but I'm also trying to be a a person, a personality to customers because I think it helps give context as to like how to use the product, when to use it. I just think it's, it's a huge piece of the sales strategy. You have to give people something to want to either try or eat or buy. Well, I think it also allows you to get information out. Yes. Not necessarily salesy, but it helps to build your brand. Exactly. For, 
for what you're doing overall. Right. So I think, like that's that's something that a lot of these large brands don't really understand. Right. But I think it's something that you guys are doing super well. Thank so, you. So what do you wish, like what's your big wish? If you could have one wish for PS Snacks for 2019, what would it be? Oh man. So it's been as the past eight months have been a very interesting time just as a, I feel like as the founder and CEO where I've actually been working quite a bit on infrastructural improvements so that we can grow. Mm -hmm. So it's been a little bit of like slowing down in order to speed up. And the company's based still in DC, right? No. So we're Denver. I mean, okay. it because it's just me. And you wanted to get to Denver. I, I, for business and personal reasons, just felt like that was the better fit long-term. I was living in New York City before, which was an amazing experience. I feel like I could check that off the list. But for long-term growth strategy and needing to build out a team and really looking at what this business could look like in the next five to 10 years, I just I couldn't stay in New York. So that was really the catalyst for me wanting to move to Denver. Did you have an investor? Yeah. Um, not in Denver, actually. But part of the reason for the timing of the move was he, you know, he kind of challenged me like, okay, so are you, are you bound to New York? I'm like, definitely not. Yeah. I can move tomorrow if you'd like me to. Um, and I just think for long-term, I mean, cost of living, quality of life, there's just so many things that you can find better options outside of New York. So that was really the catalyst for that. But my wish for 2019, I have a lot of things that I've been working on behind the scenes that I haven't been able to really debut to the world yet because it's been so under the wraps. I mean, we've been do I've been working with third-party agencies and investors and mentors and just all different types of people the past eight months to really get this vision ready to roll. Yeah. 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 And 2019, now we're able to debut that in the next few months. So I'm just really, really wishing for a successful launch and growth from there, as well as my goal is to start building out a team. And I think that is going to be huge, not only for the business, but just for me as the founder, because I'm very excited to have people that I can fall back on to. And what are you looking for? What kind of like people? Yeah. Ops. Mm -hmm. That's definitely my weakness. Yeah. Um, I love being the storyteller, the founder, the visionary, the one working on product development, the one behind the social media, the one that's educating consumers about how to use the products, but operations and supply chain and logistics, I just need to hand that off to someone. Mm -hmm. So hoping to find someone that has experience in refrigerated supply chain and really can help me not only scale as I'm hoping we will, not just in 2019 and beyond, but you know, one that can actually have an impact long term. I always am smiling a little bit because I always catch people when they say like someone who's better than me, uh -huh. that's not my forte. I always say like, you know, maybe this is even sort of while I was an athlete. Like, right. Uh, I learned early on, like my two focuses in gymnastics were bars and ball. Okay. And like, I remember when I was young, it was so hard for me to like watch people who were like, could just go out on the floor and do stuff. And I could do right. a little bit, but they were so much better right. than I was. And um, in being the same thing, like I was fine. Yes. Being, but I was like not ever going to rock it. Like right. I would on um, vault and bars and my upper body strength. You can't tell now because I'm four and everything <laughs> in there. But basically like that was my, that was my deal. 
And so I learned early on, like I was almost recruiting. And when I was younger, like I would always understand, like I would gain a good understanding of what they could do for our team, mm-hmm. but also have an appreciation for what for them, yes. what they could do. And so I always say to you know, founders who are, you know, starting and, and also I speak on college campuses a lot too. I'm like, you want to find people like at every single step along the way who you always as a founder want to understand, like right. you want to understand the finance, you want to understand right. the operations, you want to still, you know, I was speaking at Harvard Business School last week and was saying to them like, you know, I can actually talk pH with like the best of them right, right now and water, but I'm going to hire like, I'll hire somebody in totally who can actually do it even in their sleep better than me. Right. Right. Like, but I'm educated yes. on it so I can actually get through it enough. But that's the main thing. Right. That hire people who there's so many people along the way who will tell you like that they're just going to wave their magic wand and they're going to solve all your problems. And, you know, and the reality is, is that most of those people will I'll take your money, exactly. and I'll take your equity, and it just, it won't happen. So, And that's, I think, part of the reason where, you know, it's, so PS Snacks, officially under that brand name, launched a, a little over two years ago. And I still think part of the reason I haven't hired anyone is I just, there's so much that I could do on my own to get it where I wanted it to be to then attract the right people. Yeah. So I haven't, I mean, as you mentioned earlier, like it is it's tough to find the right people that are not only qualified, but just culturally the right totally. match. Totally. And so, also these people who have had experience, what I found is like, you know, we would interview like people who had come from the large soda companies and, you know, we have a product actually when we launched our product, we were the first beverage outside of juice that wasn't using preservatives in our product. Wow. And so we would interview all these people who had like produced products for the large soda companies and they would come in and they'd be like, Oh yeah, I can do this. And we're like, but have you ever done an unpreserved product? Right. And they're like, no, no, no. But I mean, I got it. Right. I got it all figured out. And like, we learned like they didn't have it all figured right. out because no one had done what we were doing. Exactly. And yes. so, and, and unfortunately they had almost been brainwashed to think that, whatever they had learned was like gospel. And so they would come in to our company and be like, well, you know, you guys are crazy founders. You don't really understand this. This can't be done. Like the, the times that I heard can't, can't, can't right. were like so debilitating for me, which I was just like, get this person out of here. Right. Because it's like, it's, ruining my juju. Right. I mean, like I was like, you know, you've got to like ask them to leave the room. And what I figured out is that it may take me longer in order to figure this stuff out. And I can go and ask a million people, but actually having somebody in who, you know, is going to wave their magic wand and solve my problem is like probably not. Exactly. And so I always like tell people like kind of figure the problem out first and then hire somebody in right. to manage that. And that's exactly, I mean, the past, again, eight months has been me putting my head down yeah. with third-party individual, yeah. like third-party groups, I should say, where I know the problem, let's get the solution in place so that I can then build a strategy and then hand it off 
to someone in ops as an example. Like, I don't want this person coming in and telling me, you know, well, you shouldn't have the freeze and thaw distribution method for your cookie dough because it's difficult. Well, I'm like, yeah, of course it's difficult, but we're also like, that's how I've been able to open all these doors. And that's what's helped me thrive in this region of Whole Foods and certain things where, yeah, it's not easy, but like, that's how we're going to move forward. So (laughs) this is like a a non-starter for me. Like, I just need to get all these things in place and then start finding the right people. Find people who think that they may not have the vision that you've got, but they're not afraid to actually say that they don't know. Exactly. Something might be possible. Right. And it's such a key thing. And it's so hard to find these people. It's like, you know, especially when, you know, you're young or you've never done, I mean, in my case, like I've never done a food and beverage before. And so they were like, a million people who said she's going to be roadkill in like four seconds. And, and, you know, I'm still here. Yeah. (laughs) And then some, right. (laughs) And and I think like that is so key. Definitely. And it's great advice. Yeah. And then also not getting the company taken away from you too. Yes. I think that that's the other thing too, that, you know, we found along the way, we talked to many investors who, you know, didn't necessarily, they had never been operators before. They didn't really understand what I'm articulating right now. And so they'd be like, oh, they've been like, they've taken a company from, you know, 10 to 40 million. They're going to be awesome for you. And like, you just have to, you just have to be really careful. Yes. And that's, I mean, part of their, there are some times where I'm like, oh, I really wish I had like a co-founder or yeah. someone that can take this half of the burden yeah. off my shoulders. But at the end of the day, I mean, I really wouldn't have it any other way because I feel like being a sole founder, I mean, I know to your point, like I can talk food science to the point where yeah. someone's like, do you have a food science yeah. background? Yeah. I'm like, no, I've just been involved in yeah. every single conversation yeah. where you learn every single facet of the business. And I think that does make me not only equipped, but also very particular when it comes to hiring, just knowing that like, okay, the perfect person might not show up, but there are certain things that I want within this team that, you know, it's either complementing my strengths or filling some sort of void, but it is definitely hard to find and you'll find them. Yeah. Trying to run all yeah. the parallel paths. So it's the fun part of being the entrepreneur. Yeah, totally will. So thank you. Well, this is so much fun. I'm so excited for thank you. Thank you. Where can people find PS Snacks today? So we because I started in DC, most of our distribution is still on the East Coast. But again, part of this move to Denver and what I've been working on the past year, let's call it a lot of growth in the near future. So I recommend people follow us on Instagram. We have a store locator and we'll be updating that as we continue to grow. I do online, but because it's refrigerated, you know, I'm like, uh, I apologize in advance. It is just expensive for us. So I do absorb some of the costs, but working on getting the shipping costs down. So the goal will be more stores, making it more accessible and affordable for people. But yes, if you're desperate for chickpea-based cookie dough, we do sell it online. 2019, I think that that is a major... It's a big... Yes. Do you know Chloe? Yes. Yeah. Love that um, team. Yeah. So they, I was um, speaking at the Chobani incubator. Awesome. Anyway, they were part of the Chobani incubator and I noticed that they were on Amazon. The the, the fresh or the, the go. Fresh, yeah. Fresh. And at least in New York city. Yeah. We, we sell on jet.com actually. Yeah. That was a 
cool account early on where it just opened some doors mostly to get up in the Northeast and areas where we hadn't distributed yet. Whole Foods is my key account thus far and really working on expanding in those key metropolitan cities too. Yes. And that's been, so I've been able to secure some accounts on college campuses mainly Wake Forest and my own alma mater. But it that also has just been, it's like these little victories that show the potential yeah, to replicate. It's a, big, it's a big thing. I mean, definitely. Our distribution food service, a lot of the tech firms and then got into college campuses and then, you know, people start to notice. Right. So. I was saying that I always get a hint, water at the airport. Yeah. It's my, yeah, it's yeah, my yeah. go-to. Airports are, are it's huge. Me. It makes my life a lot easier. I bet. TSA. Exactly. I can actually grab some bottles. I know. That's so nice. Place, so. Anyway, this is so much fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for having me. It's so Bye. nice to be here. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word and leave us a review. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Please talk to me at Kara Golden on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, be unstoppable. Unstoppable. unstoppable.